Well, thanks for taking time out of rehearsal, Kristen Burgess, to join us. Kristen is directing this term's first production in the drama department of Don Juan in Soho. So, Kristen, can you just give us an idea of the story of what this is about? It's difficult, actually, that, because it's a day in the life of a modern Don Juan. Yeah. It's actually set over a period of, I think, about 36 hours. So it starts one afternoon and the end comes the middle of the following night. Very much set in Soho. I think everybody knows about Don Juan's reputation, what his driving force is, conquest of the opposite sex, occasionally the same sex, but his focus is, is on the opposite sex. And, um, yeah, it's about a day in the life of this mythical character who, in a way, I suppose, embodies... I think, you know, that Moliere wrote a play, and he was not alone in writing about Don Juan. I mean, it, it's one of the most written-about myths and in all kinds of different art forms, operas, paintings, plays... Moliere wrote a, a successful play um, in the 17th century. But of course, sensibilities and, and the moral code of his audience were rather different from that of today. Yeah. Uh, we have to think that they were a God-fearing audience, um, as I'm sure some of our contemporary audience are. But I think what Patrick Marv has done is taken that play and tried to provoke the audience in a different way. So do you think it's, we're meant to see it as a moralistic tale? Or is well, it, it is that. It is that. It's about, you know, because it's finally, it's about a man who refuses to... Um, he, he's prepared to die rather than... Be untruthful yeah. to himself. Okay. Well, this production is the first opportunity that these third-year actors will have to perform before a public audience, which includes, obviously, casting agents. So did that inform your decision when you were choosing this play? Because it's quite a risque play, isn't it? Some of the content is... Mm. Yeah, it's full-on, I've described Yeah. <laughs> um, which is one of the things I liked about it and about... And one of the things I like about Patrick Marber's writing, um, some years ago I acted in uh, another play of his, Closer, and I discovered in doing that that when you, when you read one of Patrick Marber's plays on the page, it appears to be fantastically easy, the language to, to act. Mm. It's very spare, it's very direct, it's very strong, it's, it's hard-hitting. When you actually walk into the space and tr and try, you realise that you're underneath it. It has a kind of an energy, a requirement for energy and commitment that is not immediately apparent. And um, so you could think, in a way, that it's you. you re it needs the same kind of approach in acting terms as 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 a classical text. Um, and I was interested in this because it's a modern take on a classical text. I like Moliere, 
I like Marba. Um, and there's so many different ingredients in the decision-making process about how we make our repertoire for the final year. Mm. Um, you know, the other half of the, the year are doing um, the very first stage, stage adaptation of Tipping the Velvet, Sarah Waters' novel. And so having decided on that, we, um, yeah, we were just looking around for something that would stretch the actors, which they could, we, we thought they could cope with yeah. well, the particular actors, and also something that maybe an audience would want to come and see. Yeah. Which, and casting agents, or agents and casting directors, um, very often like to see young actors in a contemporary setting. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, th I think they'll be interested to come. They're always interested at this time of the year anyway because they like to sniff out and see, see what we've got this yeah. year. So in that case, how do you... I'm guessing it's quite difficult to find a balance between roles that will stretch the students mm. but also that will showcase them well to yeah. casting agents. Is that quite a difficult balance to it, come up it, with? It, it is and it isn't. Um, we have to... You know, we have roughly 24 actors in each of the, the years. And so over the year, we're trying to give casting opportunities, you know, right across the board. Um, and most plays have better parts than other parts. You know, they have protagon leading protagonists. Um, so can you avoid only showcasing one or two or three people at a time, is that...? Yeah, I think so. I think that's, that's partly by trying to make the piece absolutely a company production. Yeah. And I, I, that sort of interests me, um, trying to find a theatrical solution for, for any production. Um, I'm much more interested in what the, what the ensemble does than the individual performance of what might appear on the page to be the leading role. Yeah, and presumably having a living playwright creates some opportunities for these actors that don't exist for every play they do through the year. Um, if Patrick Marber... Yeah, he's, he's, he's said he'll come in and um, talk to us and he's going to come and visit us in the rehearsals. He, he lives just around the corner. Um, and... Um, is that helpful for third-year actors to oh, well, engage very, with the writer? Yeah, it's very, it's it's lovely. I mean, for in, for example, in um, when we did Stanley this time last year, um, Tony Sher, who played the original Stanley, and Deborah Finlay, who <coughs> who's a tutor anyway here, but um, she she played um, uh, Hilda. They came in to the rehearsals, and and it's just really reassuring. Uh, for young actors to be watched by these sort of luminaries of the profession, and um, particular, you know, if they're taken seriously, you know, and if they're if if they claim to approve of what they're seeing, then then it's very yeah, it's uplifting, and I I think to feel as if they're engaged in something which is 
of the present is positive. Yeah, and presumably if the playwright is in attendance, he can... Does he give his own kind of insight into things, his own intention Hopefully for certain scenes? Hopefully not too often. <laughs> um, it's always... Um, <laughs> I guess that's a fine balance to strike. Yeah, I it? mean, it's, it's a... When working on new, really new texts, you know, at the Royal Court or at the National Theatre where they've commissioned a new play, there's always a tension in the, in the rehearsal room if the writer's around yeah. because the director doesn't necessarily feel as if it's his or hers. And um, it depends on the relationship with the writer. Yeah. And, and it depends a lot on the, writer, the writer's confidence in the director... I think that um, you know Patrick felt very confident in Michael Grandage when they did it at the the, the Donmar and, and writes a little eulogy at, at, about him. I think it's in the printed text. Um, so he clearly felt okay, you know. But I'm sure it must be impossible for a writer if they have imagined something in their in the process of writing a play and then they're in a rehearsal room and they feel as if the director's just completely fucking it up and getting it all wrong and not delivering what what the writers imagine and it's not just about practical decisions it's about the sort of level of playing you know and about this play requires I mean it's described in the study notes that the Donmar produced um as a sort of farcical energy, and I understand why they they talk about that. Um, it so, I think it must be tough on a writer to to watch rehearsals. And did you see the original at the Donmar? No, I didn't. No. So therefore, I, presumably, you're completely making this your own. You haven't anything to base. No, I've never seen the play uh, produced. It was, it was apparently done by some sixth formers in Edinburgh this summer. So, no, I, I'm not always keen on doing things where I've got a, another production very clearly fixed in my mind. Because then presumably you feel that you need to make your own changes and then you're conscious of perhaps doing something that might be quite dramatically different from the way it was originally done. Yeah, I did see Stanley when it was done originally at the National Theatre, but quite a long time ago. Um... And I didn't find that that... I'd like the production very, very much. And the performance, the central performances particularly. And I did not find that it was problematic when I was rehearsing. Because you discover it along with the actors in the yeah. present, you know. And, and you, you, you deal with the fact that the particular actors offer something... And you work with that. Yeah. And you encourage. Yes, presumably because this play was originally written for Reese Ifans, who also Mm. studied acting at the Guildhall. Mm. Um, Presumably there's an effort to be made for the students to make a part of their own rather than feeling like they're in the shadows of somebody else. Nikesh Patel, who's playing the the, the DJ character... I don't think he saw it, and I'm sure he didn't see it at the Donmar. Um, and it would be a very strange thing for him to try and... Or, Emulate. <laughs> yes, or, or, or to in some way imitate <coughs> Reese's performance. You, you know, there's a, there's a thing whereby 
if, if an actor is playing Hamlet, that particular Hamlet is going to look like that actor. And nobody, nobody else is going to look like Riesifans. I think Patrick wrote the part for Riesifans. So it's very, very easy to, to and I, although I haven't seen Reese's performance, I, I can, I've seen photographs like that one there. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of easy to imagine what he might have done with it. Yeah. At the same time, uh, Nikesh has to find his own journey. And that's presumably something that you and the rest of the drama team kind of facilitate and encourage in them. Yeah, absolutely. Give them the tools absolutely. to do. Yeah, absolutely.